Yeah, you're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on uh, Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning. Pori, good morning. Good to morning, you. Deirdre. How are things today? Yeah, a little bit cooler, a little bit damper <laughs> this winter today. Bit, yeah, a little bit darker it this is, morning as it well. It sure is. Yeah. Autumn is certainly uh, is, uh, seeping in, slipping in, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but tomorrow is promised, I think, a little yeah, bit that's better. Not and bad, Monday. And yesterday Monday. was a lovely day. It was, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's making uh, hay while the sun shines. So make, you're using the dry opportunities. I saw lots of people when I was heading to Westport yesterday evening mowing their, their grass, I'd say, just catching that window, you yeah. know, that dry couple of hours. Because so. it could be the final time if it. Well, it, well you'll, yeah, you'll probably mow the grass another for another couple of weeks, up generally up until the end of October, early November, we can still trim grass. And, and it has been relatively mild. We've had no frost in the last couple of weeks. So things have still been growing and, and lawns are certainly uh, are still growing. So if you can, now it, it's too wet today, but if we do get a couple of dry days during the week and you get that opportunity... Um, get out there. Get out there and actually get the lawns trimmed and get them treated. For the moss in particular, get the zero on because that's important to treat them at this time of year. Uh, but plants are actually still growing, which is great. But we do need a little bit of dry, cold, frosty weather. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, because there's lots of planting that can still occur okay. in autumn. The planting of bulbs, the planting of fruit trees and hedging and uh, trees in general are planted in autumn. So there's lots that can be done in the autumn period. But we do a little, need a little bit of Cold warm weather to coax us back out back. Into, into the garden. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about uh, something uh, a little bit on the sunshiny side. I always think, anyway, honeybees are such sunshiny things. They are. Does the Westport honey? Festival there are next weekend. Next weekend, and, and I'm delighted because they've actually invited me to come along and um, to do a presentation at one uh, thirty. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, when I finish here next week, I'll be scooting over to Westport to the Honeybee Festival, and they have a fantastic program lined up. It kicks off from eleven thirty uh, next Saturday, the nineteenth of October, in Skullpodrick in uh, Westport and uh, there were some great speakers um, Karen Dingerkos who actually does a piece on Use Talk um, is one of the environmentalists that comes in and chats to Ivan Yates uh, every and tries to convince Ivan to be a little bit more environmental okay, well, uh, I don't get to hear that myself yeah, anyway. so Karina Dingerkos she's very very good and, and a great speaker and, and she's actually uh, chatting at 20 to 12 and also again uh, in the afternoon after me actually and um, Another interesting speaker uh, and a report was done by the Dublin University College this year on Irish heather honey and um, Salora Kavanagh, Dr. Salora Kavanagh, did some research uh, into the benefits of Irish honey in particular. And they were looking, they were contrasting Irish honey with Manuka honey and found that the properties in Irish heather honey in particular were equal to or better than or New Zealand friend, the Manuka honey, at lot less cost. So they were encouraging people to particularly seek out Irish honey, but preferably Irish heather honey. And because the properties that are contained in it from medicinal point of views and from um, antibacterial point of views and just from health and well-being for eating Irish honey, they've linked it to be better than Manuka honey. And she'll be sharing the research and chatting about that, I'm sure, um, next Saturday and then I'm on at half one Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to be chatting about rambling (laughs) about a lot of the plants that you can use in your own garden to encourage bees uh, bees and butterflies into the garden and the simple things that we can do because I think people are looking that they're the things I've taken particularly from the climate fest this year that people are actually looking for things they can do in their own garden and their own lifestyle A to improve the climate and to kind of take a step towards being slightly greener but also to encourage the bees 
bees and butterflies and the pollinators back into uh, our gardens. So I'll be sharing the type of plants that we can plant here in the west of Ireland that encourage honeybees into the garden. And um, so that's that, That's going to be my talk. Um, and there's lots of interesting things for kids as well. So look, at that's on next Saturday, the 19th of October, kicking off at 10 at 11.30. Um, it's also going to be a honey show. So if people are just interested, I, I'm always fascinated by the different types of honey that bees can make. Yeah. So, you know, bees that take their honey, say, from just oilseed rape, particularly down through the Midlands and the south of the country and over towards Waterford and Wexford, it tends to be of a particular colour and it tends to be all of the all taken from oilseed rape. Here in the west of Ireland, because we've got such a wide variety of flora, um, you've got Generally, the honey is a whole mixture of hawthorn and blackthorn and brambles and dandelions, and it tends to have a different uh, constitution and colour. And then heather honey is completely different again. Yes. It's, it's, it's thicker and darker in colour. And, and you get loads of different mixes from nearly black honey right through to, to you know, very oh. light coloured honey. So there's going to be a honey show. And even for people just to go in and just look at the different types and talk to the different beekeepers, it's, it's always a great day. So that's kicking off anyway. Um, I'll, I'll remind people next week. Next so week, yeah, but it's, it's next Saturday. It's next Saturday, Saturday, the 19th of October. It's going to be in association with Westport uh, Beekeepers. They're, they're organising the honey show and um, great lineup of speakers. Um, I'm going to go early myself because there's lots of people there I want to listen to. And uh, I'm on then at one thirty. Okay, chatting gardening and gardening and what you can do for for bees. Okay, yeah, it's a it's a it's a really interesting uh, collection on looking at bees and honey from the different perspectives of the garden, biodiversity, and uh, lots of other little bits and pieces in there as well. Yeah, so. and it's not it's not necessarily for beekeepers. They're encouraging kind of the ordinary folk that might just have an interest in doing something in their own garden to encourage bees or bring their kids along to learn about about the bees and the importance of bees in our lifestyle and are in our life and, and, and in, in the amount of crops that they pollinate. Um, so it's running Saturday the 9th of October, Skull Podrick in Westport. It's hosted by the Westport Beekeepers Association and it'll be just a, a fun day and lots of information. And um, Okay, well definitely something to look forward to and put yeah. in your diaries for next Saturday. And we'll remind everyone next yeah. week again anyway. So we are looking at taking slips Well, today. this is the time of year. I was actually watching Monty Don uh, last night on, on BBC Two, I think it is, and I uh, just happened to flick over and he was taking cuttings of penstemons, of the lovely penstemon flower, which is a perennial herbaceous flower and uh, that flowers at, well, it flowers right through the summer. But this at this time of year is the time for taking uh, the cuttings of many, many plants because they root within three to four weeks if you take them now. So common things like roses, fuchsia, Potentillas, Hypericum, Hydrangeas. Um, he was taking penstemon cuttings. Um, you can take other herbaceous plants like delphiniums as well. So this is the time of year when we start to take cuttings from plants. And it's a really easy way to get free plants for your garden. Yeah. He was taking the cuttings, Monty was taking the cuttings of penstemons because they can be slightly tender. And if we get a rough, cold winter, you can often lose the penstemon if they're planted out in the, in the garden soil. They are a herbaceous plant like a loop and they die back to soil level mm -hmm. and re-emerge in the spring. But when we get a very cold, wet winter, you can often lose them. So as a matter of kind of protect and, and guaranteeing that he's going to have some new plants for next year. You take some cuttings of the plants, you leave the mother plants out in the soil and if they die, fair enough, they should come back next year again. But you've got yourself some 
uh, guarantees in terms of slips or cuttings. So what you do at this time of year is take any of your favourite garden plants that you want to propagate. You simply take a cutting about six or eight inches long. I always say pencil length and about pencil thickness. Remove all the leaves bar one or two at the very, very top. Remove any flowers or ideally take the cuttings from non-flowering wood. But there are if there are a few flowers on them, just remove those and simply put them into a little bit of rooting powder. And you can put them straight into perlite as he did last night. Okay. So just a tub of perlite and simply put them in, wash them, cover them with a polythene bag, sit them on your windowsill indoors for about three or four weeks and they will root in that period and you got yourself some new plants. So if you do nothing else next week, go out into the garden, take some cuttings of your favourite garden plants. It's a great way of propagating roses and hypericums and fuchsias and all your favourite plants. Yeah. Geraniums, for example, at this time of year, this is the time to take the cuttings of them. If you've got that lovely lemon-scented geranium, again, this is the time to take cuttings of those. And they can be rooted so simply indoors. All you literally need is a little tub of rooting powder, a little pot of perlite, or you can have compost and perlite mixed through it. But Monty was using the perlite just on, on its, its own. own. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, nothing else. Um, and he was just making the point that, that all the cutting really needs is moisture, which the perlite pr- provides, and a warm temperature. So somewhere indoors, like your windowsill, is perfect. Yeah. Remember to cover with a polythene bag. Um, he didn't do that last night, but I find that very effective. Just slip it into a kind of a sandwich bag or a, a, a white milky bag you get in the butcher's. Leave it on the windowsill. That saves you having to water the actual cutting. And um, you can fish 15, 20 cuttings into a relatively small pot sitting on the windowsill. It only takes a month for them to root. Pot them up into small pots and you've got yourself a whole series of new plants for next year. Okay, and would you keep your pots inside when, in, they well do, I, when they after the six weeks, say, period? If you have somewhere like a, a greenhouse, a tunnel, um, a porch, or somewhere sheltered outside, that's where to put them. Particularly if they're frost-hardy, like roses and fuchsias and hypericums and hydrangeas, they're perfectly fine outdoors. Really what you don't want to be is kind of putting them out where they're going to get knocked about and lots of heavy rain. So somewhere sheltered. So, you know, somewhere like a spare window um, or a garage window, a bright garage window, conservative greenhouse tunnel, that sort of porch, so that sort of area. So cool but dry out of the heavy elements or if you have a little cloche that you could put them in mm. once they've rooted um, and hold them there. Parahebe is one that, that I've taken cuttings myself off about a month ago and I've, I've rooted them in the veggie pot and they have rooted within the month, simply potted them up and I've stuck them into the tunnel for the winter and they're going to give me a nice parihebe is a small evergreen shrub it's in flower it flowers for nearly nine months of the year it grows about two feet in height two feet in diameter oh, it's a lovely border plant and very very easy to grow and, and roots from cuttings very very easy so this is the time of year for um for taking cuttings of plants. Of plants. Of plants. Okay. And also the sowing of seed. I did mention that uh, the last couple of weeks that, you know, if you want to sow kind of lupins for next year or sweet peas for, for, for next year, sow them at this time of year indoors. So use the heat of your home. We're beginning to put on the central heating. We are. I had it on yesterday yeah. myself. The homes are lovely and warm. So if you've got a bright windowsill, again, it's a great time of year for sowing the seeds of plants. Again, sow them into trays or containers, cover them with a little bit of cling film and they'll germinate within 7 to 10, maybe 14 days and again you got yourself some new plants for next year. So they're the sort of things I would be doing um, at the moment. At the moment. But okay. particularly the cuttings. Autumn is, this is the time of year. October is a great time for taking the cuttings of plants. If you want some hedging cuttings, say things like laurel or mm. grisolinia or escalonia, they can again be, be um 
propagate in exactly the same way, but you can root them out of doors. So all you do is simply open a small little trench out of doors, put compost and perlite into the bottom of the trench and put in your cuttings, take them a little bit longer, about a foot in length, rooting powder again, just slot them into the trench, backfill them, leave them for the winter and over the winter they will actually root and you got yourself some new hedging plants that you can plant then out in the spring. I, I just see in relation to that, somebody's wondering about watering uh, your cuttings and your slips. Well, the beauty you see is that if you put, if you cover them with a polythene bag, with a with the sandwich bag, first of all, for that period of a month whilst they're rooting, you don't need to touch them. You literally just leave them alone. The the bag will, any water that, that evaporates will will hit on the bag and drip back down again. So it's almost like self-watering. It's self-watering, yeah. absolutely. And you're also creating this microclimate that makes it warmer. So the cu- cuttings are moist, they're warm, and they're, they're encouraged to root r- very rapidly, and it saves you having to wash them. Once they've rooted, which will take about three to four weeks, you can give them a little tug. And if there's resistance, you know that they've actually rooted. So don't be tempted for the, the first week yeah, or two. Give them a chance. Leave them alone yeah. for about a month. And then after that period, once they've rooted, you can slip off the, the, the bag on the top, let them grow on for another couple of weeks if you want and then put them into small pots and grow them on and then the watering once they're repotted and once they've rooted you're looking at maybe washing them once a month because the roots are quite small they're in a fresh pot of compost so you don't want to have them too wet yeah. so ebb on the side of having them slightly dry but not too too dry so if they're in a tunnel greenhouse porch it's going to be relatively cool it is going to be dry so once a month should be more than adequate um, so as long as the compost is moist through the winter they'll be perfectly fine and even once a month might be even too often depends on the weather we're going okay, to get so keep an eye on the plants Just keep, themselves keep an eye on them but keep them on the side of underwatering because the roots will be uh, encouraged to root deeper into the pot searching for moisture um, so as long, as long as they don't get bone dry they'll be perfectly fine through the winter and then you can plant them out wherever you want them to flower next March or April and you've got yourself some new plants so it's a great way and it's a great way to teach kids how to propagate plants because they're fascinated to see these roots popping out of yeah. cuttings so it's quite interesting Okay, so lots to keep people busy there. And if you do have your favourite bits and pieces in the garden, uh, another way of kind of spreading it out and sometimes making gifts and stuff, things Absolutely. like that as well. So. And one of the things that actually Monty Don talked about last night was was gardening and um, how it has grounded him. You know, he has talked before about uh, he, sometimes he suffers from depression and, and anxiety and that. Mm-hmm. And how gardening, has, has he has found over the years, a great way to ground him and bring him back to kind of uh, somewhere to, I suppose, get his mind right. away from yeah. other things. Yeah. And we're we're now at the final day, I think, of Mental Health That's Week. Yeah. And gardening is one of those things that people find absolutely brilliant. I'm, I'm always reminded about Nora Owens when she speaks about her husband, Brian, yeah. and his dementia. Mm-hmm. And in the dementia garden, she has said that you know, that's where he gets solace, that he goes back potting up a few plants or planting a few bulbs or taking a few cuttings or whatever. And even though he's lost to dementia, the gardening actually helps to soothe him and calm him. And he always comes to bloom to see the dementia garden. And it's a really a special time. So, you know, it's it's good to see that gardening can be... We're, we're, they're talking now about this green prescription where doctors are actually... Uh, prescribing that people get back out to nature, get out to walk in the woods or uh, maybe doing a bit of gardening or in, in, interacting with wildlife as part of 
um, a treatment uh, for, 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 whatever, for mental health. For whatever it is that, that is ailing you, I suppose the thing is, we are so crowded these days um, by, well, sometimes technology, but life in general Absolutely. tends to move at such an incredibly fast pace and there are so many demands on people. Um, so whether, I suppose, you're, you're feeling uh, a bit lower than you should or just in general feeling a little under stress, just to get out into the garden. Absolutely. And it does allow you to kind of forget about everything else sure for a little does. while and just concentrate on whatever plants you're uh, dealing with and yeah, yeah and or even to visit some of the great gardens we have here in the west yeah. w- w- the west of Ireland like Kylemore Abbey which is absolutely beautiful I was down at Lissadell House not so long ago about a month ago mm, lovely to walk the, yeah. the gardens there up around the Museum of Country Life lovely gardens there so we've got plenty of places that we can have people actually looking. visit and, and uh, to take some time out so I thought that was interesting as well and it's probably at this time of year that people are more mindful of that as well Well it is I suppose and as we come into winter months and things are darker and a little bleaker as well yeah. maybe we kind of uh, focus in on, on ways to counteract uh, how one might be feeling when they're a little bit on the downside anyway Mental Health Week hopefully it's been a good Mental Health Absolutely. Week for people everywhere Absolutely. Now, an interesting mix of questions, Porek. Some very timely and some looking ahead to next year. Um, One plant that's evident at the moment is cyclamen, I think. It's Um, lovely at the moment, yeah. And I suppose they are for this time of year and going into the wintertime, or at least that's my understanding of them anyway. So a couple of questions on cyclamen. First of all, somebody wondering, can I keep my cyclamen plants outdoors? Will the frost kill them? Okay, so there's, there's there's two or there's a couple of different types of cyclamen. Yeah. So cyclamen are planted from bulbs, and the bulbs are actually available at this time of year. Any any of the varieties you plant from bulbs are totally hardy out of doors, and they're absolutely lovely because they only grow about three or four inches in height. They carpet the ground. They'll self seed, so they produce their mm-hmm. own seed, okay. and they'll spread further out. So. They're a great plant, say, for planting under trees or under shrubs, right at the edge of a border because they're quite short. So you need to have them bank slopes, that sort of area. Yeah. They're absolutely beautiful and they look well as a cluster together. Um, and many of them are actually in flower at the moment and will continue to flower right through to the spring. The other cyclamen you buy in the garden centres are small little patio cyclamen. So they're generally sold in small pots in flower mm. and they tend to be less hardy. Than the, out, than the bulb forms. So they tend to be more suitable for wind boxes, hanging baskets, containers, for colour. Again, at this time of year that will flower through Christmas and into the spring of next year. So if you want the hardy varieties, my advice is to go into your local garden centre and buy the corms or the bulbs. Right. They'll be dormant. They'll look like nothing. They're, they're about the size of a small saucer and you plant them into the soil, they'll come into growth next spring, you'll get some flowers next year, but next autumn they'll be spectacular and they will come back year after year for you. The little plants you buy, they will last generally one year, but they're more suited for pots, containers, window boxes. So if you plant them out in your garden soil, if we get some really, really cold weather, they tend to die off. So... My advice is to keep the flowering ones that are in flower at the moment for your pots and containers, mm-hmm. you know, to decorate a bit instant mm-hmm. colour up in your windowsills because they're more sheltered. Even out of doors, they'll be perfectly fine. And if you want the hardy ones for under trees and shrubs, buy those as corms now or as bulbs. Ask, the, ask for them in your local garden centre, the hardy outdoor cyclamen. Um, and they're absolutely spectacular. They're, they're lovely. Could you mix and match? You, well, you can mix and match. Because you'd get a bit of colour this year and then you'd have some for next year. You could, but remember that the ones in the pots are, are a little bit more tender. And if you're planting them out in a woodland area okay. or under trees, you, you will get colour for, for several months, but you will find they'll start. They're Depending done. on how cold it gets, you'll tend 
to find that the likes just start to, okay. to grow away. So some are more suited for pots, containers, window boxes. The hardy variety, which is truly hardy and can be planted out of doors and lasts for many, many years and self-seeds as well. Um, they are sown from the bulbs at this time of year. Okay, It's a so corm. It's actually a very flat bulb, about, about half the size of a saucer. Um, and you, you simply just plant it about three to four inches into the soil and away they go. Okay, and they do grow because there's another question on that. That's the i is that the ivy leaf cyclamen or yeah, there's a, there's a, yeah hedrofolium hedra hedra the literally means ivy. So cyclamen hedrofolium is what the variety you're looking for. The leaves are like ivy; they're ivy covered coloured. So they're they're kind of variegated in colour, which is very nice even before mm. the flowers come and the beautiful pink or dark purple flowers then come onto the plant after that. They come in a white shade as well. Cyclum hedrofolium is the hardy variety you're, you're looking for. That's the one I would plant. So you can, because so, the question is, can I, can I, when can I plant more of these beauties? Do they grow from seed? They're just coming into flower yeah, now. They'll, they'll sow from seed and they're, they're, cyclum are actually a little bit different than most seed in that they germinate in the darkness. So when you're sowing them from seed, if you're sowing them in pots and trays, you should cover them with a cling film, but put them into a dark room somewhere out of light. So they germinate better when it's excluded for light. And when you think about the plant itself, it tends to grow in woodland areas Mm -hmm. under leaf litter. So when it finishes flowering, the seeds drop onto the ground. They're generally covered with leaf litter. They're under the shade of trees. So they're in that darkness and the seed germinates better in darkness. So if I was sowing the seed of cyclamen, um, you can can buy the seed, Mm. but you can also collect the seed from the wild, from the flowers in, in your own garden once it becomes ripe, sow them into pots and then put them into a dark cupboard until they germinate. Keep an eye on them every maybe four or five days and as soon as they germinate then you can bring them into light. So they do propagate from from seed. And I've noticed different sized ones or is that the difference between the patio one and the woodland one? The woodland the woodland heterofolium literally only grows about four or five inches in height and it spreads across the ground so it needs to be planted where you're going to see it at the edge of borders on banks on slopes directly under trees you know uh, broadleaf trees it works really well in those sort of situations and there are taller varieties there are even indoor cyclamen plants Mm. which were you get them at Christmas time so they cannot be put out at no, all, all right. <laughs> but are kept indoors. Hence indoor. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're kept in cool situations indoors. And they grow roughly about a foot in height and about a foot in diameter. So there are, and bigger flowers. So there are different varieties. Right. If you want the outdoor one, ask for cyclamen hedrofolium. Okay. The, bulb, the ivy the leaved. Bulb the bulb and go for the bulb and plant those that's my advice and you won't regret them because you'll have them for years and years and years Now shaded area in my garden is it possible to grow bulbs and wild flowers I want flower colour in spring and summer if possible Absolutely and and most 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 of the early spring flowering bulbs particularly if it's under trees particularly if they're deciduous trees or deciduous shrubs do very well in shade so things like snowdrops crocuses the skillia bulbs which are very similar to um, bluebells they do really well there's a lot lovely blue and white bulb called Shinodoxia, which again does really well in um, in shade. Dwarf daffodils, so Jetfire and February Gold do well in shade. Um, Frigillaria, which is one I've, I've mentioned before. There are dwarf varieties of Frigillaria and there are taller versions of it. Both do very well in shade. And an enemy Blanda, which is again is a lovely low-growing bulb. Um, cyclamen, of course, will do well yeah, in shade yeah, as well. Yeah. So any of those, so again, if you're popping into your local garden centre, it'll generally say on the packs the bulbs that are good for shades. And there's quite a, a wide variety of bulbs that will tolerate shade. And same with the wildflower mix. Wildflower mixes are generally like tea. 
they're blends of different seeds. So when you buy, you can buy a, a collection of wildflower seeds specifically for shade. So look for that. Thompson and Morgan do a very good one. And that, that can be actually mixed with the bulbs because the bulbs will flower in the spring, January, February. Winter aconites are another lovely bulb for shade that flowers in December. So you can literally have colour from December right through until April from or May with the bulbs mm-hmm. and then the wildflower meadow will flower Kicks from in. then on. So you can actually plant the two together. So plant the bulbs first, rake over the soil, chuck the seed of the wildflower mix down, rake it in and the both will work. Very, the bulbs will come up through the wildflower meadow in the springtime. They'll die back as, as they're finished flowering and your wildflower meadow mm. takes over for the summer. Excellent. So you'll have lots of colour. Lots of colour for shade, yeah. And now, they come in dwarf, I think, did you mention dwarf? Ones to me, no? Uh, for. B- b- was there a question in dwarf wildflower? No. Uh, there was, but not that one. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, actually, let's go to that. Sorry, apologies. Uh, yes, yeah, somebody. Well, no, no, not at all. So, wildflowers, um, in relation to sowing them now, somebody was looking for short varieties yeah. for their border um, and they want to attract bees, but they'd like to keep the plants kind of three foot or less. Yeah, because most of the wildflower seed are relatively tall, like yeah. poppies, they grow in, and cornflowers. They tend to grow, you know. Uh, three or, or well, certainly three feet or three and a half feet tall um, oxide daisy for example but there are shorter versions of um, again the wildflower mixes and again Thompson and Morgan do a very good they do a shade mix they do a dwarf border mix which are literally 18 inches kind of two feet in height um, and then they do the tall meadow grass ones as well so all of those are available at the moment you can either or you can buy them in, in single little packs yourself little dwarf varieties like English marigolds and some of the dwarf cornflowers would work really well but there is a collection under the Thompson Morgan mix for borders which is only which only grows 15 18 inches kind of under two feet okay so that sounds and again mix them with the spring bulbs as well just for a bit of contrast yes and a bit of variety um now somebody says thanks first of all for all your help uh and we've got a question in relation to dahlias can i leave dahlias in the ground for the winter are they okay left in pots in a garage um i have some in pots as well we used to leave them there years ago and they flowered year after year yeah current thinking on on Uh. on minding the dahlias (laughs) over the winter period well the thing with the dahlias i mean there there's a great example of bulbs that were planted probably back in April uh, or early May and they flowered all the summer. They're still in flower at the moment. They'll probably go on for another two or three weeks and uh, give great colour. Um, so, you know, gardening is always about forward planning, isn't it? What we plant now, we reap next spring or summer. Um, the thing with dahlias is, again, they're, they're a tuber and as a tuber, like a potato tuber, you can leave them in the soil, but you take a risk on the winter that we get. So my advice really is if you want to leave them in the soil, then wait until they, f- they finish flowering. Generally, it's at the end of October, the first or second week in November. Once we get a bit of frost and it blackens them, cut them back to ground level and then cover the entire bed with a mulch of compost. If you've got garden compost, would be ideal, or bark mulch, something that will insulate the plants for the winter. So you're looking for a material that will, you know, cover the bulbs by about three to four inches of dahlia tubers. And, and that creates an insulation then for the dahlias for the winter. So in the OPW garden, for example, the Victorian garden up in the Phoenix Park, the guys always leave the dahlias out. They just put a mulch on them for the winter of garden compost. And they might lose maybe 5% of the bulbs in any given year, but it saves the need for digging them up and and they and that you know it cuts out that work I suppose of having to store them indoors mm. for the winter um so my advice is if if your soil doesn't get excessively heavy then it's it's a slight risk you take but if you mulch them you certainly insulate the plants so it can be any compost material bark mulch something bulky that you can put over the plants 
once you've cut them back to soil level. The other thing to watch out for then in springtime is as the, the new growth starts, slugs will be very active. So before the shoots come be- through the soil, the slugs will be on them, on the right. dahlias. You need to get your slug control out early in March, early April, before those new shoots start to come forward. The benefit of lifting dahlias is that it gives you the opportunity to divide them and propagate them. So if you lift your dahlia bulbs, say in November, and bring them inside, mm. then next spring, as they're starting to sprout like a seed potato, you can sp- slice them into... So from one dahlia tuber, you can make up to three or four new plants. Right. So that's the benefit of taking them, them in, up. wrapping them up in newspaper and sticking them in the garage for the winter where they're frost-free. They'll remain dormant like a seed potato. And then once we hit March, they'll start to initiate new new buds and those buds then can be sliced and you've got yourself some new plants. So if you want to pop- propagate dahlias, then my advice is to lift some of them in November bring them inside, store them for the winter in a, a, a spare garage or an attic in a bit of newspaper and then the following spring divide them, pot them up and you've got yourself new plants. In relation to the pots, mm. I would simply again let them finish flowering, cut them back in November and take the pot and all and stick it into the garage for the winter. So it's okay to stay, leave it in the Absolutely. pot? Absolutely. That will act as a little insulation. The compost will... So will it's almost insul- like having, giving, it, giving it a little bit of a blanket. It is for the winter, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, is it okay to put different types of flower, spring flowering bulbs into the same flower pot? I have a deep terracotta pot approximately 15 inches deep. Oh, you can, yeah. You can you can layer the bulbs. So, so you want to be starting with the... So bulbs... Um, the, the depth of soil that you cover a bulb is is depending on the size of the bulb, if that makes sense. So in the bottom of the pot, you want to be using the, the stronger bulbs. So things like daffodils and tulips will actually produce long stems and come right from the base of the pot up through the compost. So I would start a layer of compost, a layer of tulips. So you could use something like um, the Darwin tulips, which are absolutely lovely, and then put a, a layer of compost on top of that. Then you could put something like... Um, bluebells or the shinodoxia that, that I mentioned and, and as a layer again maybe you know 10 or 12 bulbs put another layer of compost put some hyacinths and then maybe some dwarf tulips right mm. in the very top or dwarf narcissi so you can have up to four layer of bulbs sitting above one another and they'll all grow Go together to and give you a lovely spectacular show of colour fabulous okay yeah, so it's, so layer of the bulbs like um, can be can be done to, uh, this time of year okay. and even at the top of the pot remember the bulbs aren't going to peak through until February you could plant some winter flowering violas or pansies right at the very top of the pot so that's giving you colour from now until February March and the bulbs will come up through those in the springtime um bum 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 question just we were talking there about the dahlias just a right. final question on that uh, somebody wondering do I need to walk Water dahlias have stored inside in pots no, during the winter. No, leave them alone. Lovely. Leave them alone. Now, is it a good time to split and replant hostas? Yeah, it's a great time. You could have done them earlier than this, but now is a, as good a time as any. So all you do is simply dig the entire... They're going to be looking a bit yellow and dishevelled at the moment, so dig them up out of the ground, root and all, take the entire clump up in one clean sweep and get yourself a sharp spade or an axe and literally break it up into seven or eight pieces and transplant them and replant them somewhere else. So it's a great time for dividing herbaceous plants. So hostas, astilbes, all of those kind of rhubarb, for example, this is the time of year to dig it up. Obviously, you want a bit of dry weather to do it, but dig them up, split them up into pieces and put them wherever you want them to to grow next year. Now, I picked all my apples yesterday. Great. What a crop exclamation mark. Can I prune back the stems now or is it later? And what about giving them some food? 
Well, you don't feed them, so there's no food necessary. You could give them a little bit of sulfate of potash because that will just kind of build a bit of strength into the plants. Um, but in terms of kind of general fertilizers, no, we're, 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 we're finished with that for this year. And um, the pruning, yes, you can start pruning back the long extensive growth it made this year. So reduce the kind of growth that it made this summer by at least two thirds. So if it made three foot of growth, cut them back by two feet. So start, even though there's leaves on them at the moment, the fact that the listener has taken all the fruit off them now, it's good time of year to actually prune them back so by all means give them a prune back tidy them up and um, leave them then for the rest until next spring they'll be perfectly fine as we go into November you could give them a little bit of winter wash which is a, a liquid that you can apply onto the stems uh, the, the, the naked stems mm-hmm. and, and that cleanses the tree for the following year it takes off any pests and diseases off the plants Now I seem to have a lot of small slugs around the garden is this a good time to control them or next spring and what is safe to use with pets in the garden? Okay so use an organic treatment there's quite a number there's uh, varieties or uh, treatments like a Reza or Neardorf do one which are they'll have the organic symbol on them they're, they're blue in colour exactly like a traditional slug pellet but they're made from iron and and um, phosphates so very safe to use this is a good time actually to control slugs because that's next year's generation so they're going to hibernate now through the winter they're probably out and about with all the wet weather we're we're having and um, you can put you know little and often is my advice so if you've got hostas for example Mm. in the garden or dahlias then a small little shake at this time of year will help to control that population for next year and use the organic treatment It's, it's safe to use it's safe for pets children and it's safe for birds now, the green slimy bubbles yes. on the tarmac, I think, yeah. which is fairly uh, proficient at the moment. It is. It has um, been. So a couple, I noticed we've got a couple of questions in. Okay. Um, kids slipping and sliding on this right. substance. How yeah. do we remove it, please? So this is Nostoc. It looks like bubbles of, of, of green gel. It's an algae that you tends to appear on patio surfaces, tarmac, atom, gravel beds, um, particularly after the long period of rain we've had this autumn. And even people will see the amount of moss they have on their patios. So the, the treatment to use is, is the pack, PAC, um, you simply mix it in a watering can or a sprayer, apply it to the area and that will kill the nostoc off within seven days. Now you do need a dry day to apply it. So a day like yesterday would have been ideal or Monday maybe. Maybe tomorrow, no, maybe tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Yeah, so yeah. so a dry, you know, about two to three hours of dry weather. Um, so get the, the, the treatment on and that will get rid of the nostoc. Yeah, it's very slimy, very dangerous uh, if it's close to uh, an area you're walking on. Very, very slippy. So this is the time to treat it. It's not going to, it's going to get start to spread now right. as we go into winter so now it's time to treat it and that pack will control any algae or mosses on hard surface areas tarmac and paving it's not it's not just the nostoc it covers all those things on the hard surface yeah yeah Yeah. now quite a few questions in on hydrangeas and the and the different varieties yes so we'll start the the hydrangeas you recommended to plant in april have flowered beautifully and turned from white to red in the past month they're stunning the flowers are going back now after the heavy rain can i cut them back now or do I do this in spring. No, you can do them now. Um, they're the paniculata f- uh, family, so it's probably Bobo or Annabelle, or not Annabelle, but um, Phantom that you, that you had. Um, so they produce a lovely cone shape, like an ice cream cone flower that turns lovely pink and red in autumn. So yeah, they're, they're beginning to go over now. The rain has kind of spoiled them a little bit. So you can prune them back to within a foot of soil level. So trim them right tight back and um, leave them alone. It's actually a great time of year to take a few cuttings of those as well if you want to propagate a, a couple of plants as well. But my advice really is this week, again go out and with those those particular white varieties trim them back tidy them up for the winter and they'll be 
perfectly fine. And somebody else, Alva, asks, uh, she received a beautiful pink Annabelle that yeah. has a sprawling habit. Yeah, it does. Uh, can you please let me know where is best to plant or could I keep it in the pot? What's the best fertiliser to use to encourage flowering? And indeed, what would you use to encourage flowering in hydrangeas in general? Okay, so, so generally high potash feed, so rose fertiliser is brilliant for for um, hydrangeas. Now, you, you won't need to apply it until next April and generally you apply it once a month from April through to September and that just keeps them flowering. The pink Annabelle. Annabelle, the traditional Annabelle produces white flowers and it grows up to five feet in height um, and can be a bit kind of top heavy and falls about a little bit. Um, and the pink one is actually even taller. Yes, it can grow up to six feet in height and again, it tends to have that sprawling habit. So that's the nature of Annabelle. Now, my advice is Trim it back once it goes out of flower. Mm. Trim it back to kind of within two feet of soil level. So trim it right tight back. As it comes into growth next April and particularly in May, give it the Chelsea chop. Yeah. So take about six or eight inches off the top of the stems in May. And that helps to keep the overall plant shorter, more turgid and stronger and you increases the amount of flowers. So that particular pink Annabelle might only grow to four and a half feet if you give it that Chelsea chop. So around the time that Chelsea is announced on, on radio, which oh, is yeah. generally the first or May. second week of May, as soon as that growth take off about six to eight inches of the, the new growth on Annabelle and that'll help. You're effectively pruning it back. You're doubling the amount of stems it's going to produce. That keeps the overall height down. It makes the stems stronger and more rigid yeah. and you get twice as much flower. Okay, yeah. I had the drooping Annabelle this year as well, yeah. and particularly because of all the rain and they did yeah. come out, but I didn't chop them back in time. Try and, it, yeah, so try it I'll next be, That's on my list summer. for next year. Yeah, yeah. It makes a hell of a difference. It'll delay the flowering by about maybe a week or 10 that's days. That's right. But you gain that. it at the other yeah. end, but you end up with a nicer plant. Okay. Um, now, is it possible to take a cutting of a lupin tree, ask yeah. somebody? So lupin trees, so there are the traditional lupin, which is the herbaceous lupin, but there's also a, a plant called the lupin tree or the lupin shrub, which grows like a shrub or a small tree. So it can grow up to about eight feet in height. It produces the lupin, like similar lupin flowers, but they're shorter. They're only about maybe eight inches in length, but it, it produces hundreds of them. It's a really Ooh. actually a very, very nice plant. It tends not to be long-lived. If you have it for maybe three to five years in the garden, you're doing well because it's in the pea family, like laburnums and the root structure, it gets a bit top heavy and it tends to break and fall over. So hence you should propagate it every couple of years. And this is the time of year to take the cuttings of the lupin tree. So if you've got it in your garden, again, exactly like I said for all the other stuff, mm. take them pencil in, pencil thickness, yeah, the uh, rooting powder, root them at this time of year and you, you'll have, it roots very, very simply. So it's a, it's a very, very good tip um, to, to, to propagate it every two or three years and this is the time to do it. Fantastic. Now, um, I have a Hippophae raminoides. Well done. Thank you. I was practising that <laughs> in my garden that I covered, that is covered in berries. Are they edible and are they ripe now or later? I just don't know what to do with them. Okay, so this is C. buckthorn, Hippophae raminoides. It's, it's, um, it's in the same family as the Iliagnus plant that I often uh, recommend. So it's got silver foliage like Iliagnus and um, white flowers, but these orange berries, mm. big, heavy orange berries in winter, in autumn, winter sort of period, they are edible. And okay. they make various, there is a stone from memory, I think it has a stone in the centre um, of, of the, the berry. So, but the, the thing about them, they're difficult to actually gather because they're very thorny. The, the hedge itself is like a pyracantha, it's a real thorny uh, plant. So 
carefully <laughs> pick right. the berries off the plant they are edible you can eat them straight from the from the um, from the bush from the plant itself they're about the size of a haw berry you right. know about the, the white thorn berry so they're about the similar sort of size and um, you can eat them straight from the from the from the plant itself they're kind of a citrusy uh, taste from them and they also make different oils and jams and uh, chutneys from them as well so it's a totally usable berry um, and it has that citrusy flavour they're bright orange they're like a, the colour of an orange like a citrus orange but they're quite they're, the berry is obviously quite small mm. um, so it's a great it's actually a great we call it sea buckthorn because it grows in seaside areas really really well uh, very tolerant of salt and wind and it's a hardy sort of thing that you, you won't kill so Hippophae raminoides makes a brilliant hedge so if you have it in your garden you'll, you'll notice the bright orange berries and once they're in an orange colour they're ready to, to pick, pick off the plant and as I say you can eat them raw or you can make jams and and lots of different um, I think they make some essential oils out of them as well Okay, from memory Now can you suggest some bare root trees to plant that will be open to the elements I have a nice view of nephons so don't okay, want lovely. them to grow too tall or wide Oh nice to have right, that view and, and generally in open exposed areas the, the wind itself tends to prune plants back so a tree that would normally grow 20 feet in, a, in a, an urban garden mm. and an exposed garden might only ever make you know 14 or 15 feet so the exposure has a kind of a natural pruning on trees. So go for the hardy things. So white beam, for example, would be a really good one. It's in the sorbus. It's a native Irish tree, um, sorbus arielutescens. It's a really nice silver leaf plant with white flowers and red berries, but tolerates the wind extremely well. It'll do very well in Nathan, uh, but it will also do well in seaside areas as well. And, the, and it's quite a spectacular tree in that the leaves are a bright silver colour in spring and summer, followed by the flowers and the berries. Um, so that's sorbus arielutescens or white beam. You can also use the mountain ash. So uh, varieties like Comixta, the hardy mountain ash, again, you'll see lots of them growing around Nath and wild, but it makes a lovely tree and it's relatively small as well, about 15, 16 feet in height. And they look well grouped together in, you know, in groups of maybe yeah. six or eight or 10 in a kind of a, a woodland, semi-woodland area. Silver birch will do well in around the Nathan area. So again, silver birch, and again, it's a relatively small tree that looks brilliant planted in clusters. You can mix any of those together, the white bean, the mountain ash, and silver birch will will similar height um, similar shape and, and would lo look well together as a kind of a mixed planting if you wanted to do that um, other hardy ones alder would be quite tough as well quite tolerate a good bit of wind willows will tolerate the wind and the wetness of you know it tends to be a boggy type of natured soil yeah. uh, around Nathan so the willows will, will do really well so for me the mountain ash and the white beam willows alders um, silver birch holly Lovely, lovely plant and again you'll see it is kind of again it's a, a native Irish uh, uh, tree or plant and again it would tolerate the winds of, of Nathan and, and again not get too big and it's evergreen of course flowers, berries so a mixture of those sort of plants would work really well together if you, if you want something fast the willows and the alder would be the quickest to, to, to mature sure. yeah and, and to, to give you kind of a little bit of screening and to give a, bit, a little bit of protection the others will take a little bit longer but you're generally buying the berry trees anyway about six or maybe seven feet high yeah. so you've got something you kind of have to have something already reasonable there yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I have a question. Uh, can I dig up 10-year-old landii bushes and plant them 20 yards away? I kept them trimmed every year to five foot. They're in the way, though I'm making a new road and they have to, they're, they're going to have to come out. Will they grow again? What do you think? No. Asks Joseph. No. 
Joseph, I wouldn't. Well, look at you. Uh, if they have to come out, then you can be as careful as possible with a machine. Lift a bucket of, of soil with them. Lift the root in one go and transplant them. But Lelandii do not transplant well. We tend to lose them. If you dig them up, particularly at that age, um, they do dislike disturbance and, and generally fail after transplanting. So um, I, as a rule, I would say no, never transplant them. They, they're not, you know, many, many, many plants will transplant no problem whatsoever. But Lelandii, they're the conifers. Yes. Just don't tolerate the transplanting. Now, having said all of that, if you have to move them, then as carefully as possible, lifting as much of a root ball as possible, replanting them to the same depth and firming them in well, that gives them the best chance of, uh, uh, possible. Okay. But there are just certain plants like Lilandia, Pittosporums as well, are a plant that dislike any sort of root disturbance and tend to die after transplanting. So my advice normally is don't bother. Don't bother. Very quickly, I turned over a veg garden and mixed in farm muck for next spring. But Great. now what plastic or weed cover can I use to keep grass down over at winter? OK, well, you can do two things. So you can use black polythene silage cover and just uh, cover the in, pin it down, uh, put some soil on top of it and just literally leave it over that area. And that will A, help to keep the ground drier and it will stop any the germination of weed. The weeds will actually germinate in under the polythene mm. and die. So it's a great organic way of controlling the weeds. The other thing that the listener can do is actually grow some green manure on that area. So they could use something like red clover or phacelia and sow the seeds of that into the area. That'll give a cover crop for the winter. It'll help to suppress weeds. And you can add that. You can dig that green manure back into the soil again as an additional fertiliser next spring. So either put a, a cover crop of uh, green manure on it um, or else covered with black polythene like we use on silage and that will control keep the soil dry but also help to uh, control wheat growth as well okay. so when you peel it back in the spring the soil that's is lovely and warm it's wheat free and you're good to plant that's what you want that, we're going to have to leave it there Porik I'm afraid thanks indeed for all of that this morning so just remember the Honey Show next next uh, Saturday the 19th of October in Skullpodrick in Westport and it's run by the uh, Westport Beekeepers, Beekeepers Association and I I'll be featuring at one thirty. Okay, excellent. Have a good week. Uh, that's my lot for this morning. Do stand by. Michael Neary is coming your way uh, live from Brafey this morning uh, for uh, Kenny's Volvo Roadshow, I do believe. Uh, that coming your way after the news at 10, which is on the way next. From me for the moment, good morning to you.